Welcome to the Ohana Adventure Podcast. I'm Rachel. And I'm Jace. And we love talking about world education, parenting, travel, and entrepreneurialism. It gets a little awkward. It's always entertaining because we cover everything. From talking to our kids about sex. To helping them own and operate their own businesses while experiencing the world. Ohana means family. And that means it's It's all all part part of of the adventure. adventure. That was so corny. Let's get on with this. Hey, hey, welcome back to the Ohana Adventure Podcast. I'm Rachel. I'm Jace. And today we are sharing all the crazy things that we just went through. If you haven't been listening or following along, we just had a crazy 30 hours of flights, 60 hours of traveling, flights canceled, a lot of chaos. If you want to hear more about that, go back onto the previous podcast and listen to what happened But the reason why we went through all of that was was for water. To arrive in Uganda, Africa at four o'clock in the morning in a van, the bumpiest van I've ever been in my life. And I love (laughs) off-roading. From four to nine a.m., we pull up in this village and there are 50, 80 kids, 80 I would say even close to 100. We pull up to this really, really cute little village. and Cute? Okay. It's a village. Everything was dirt. Lots of mud huts. The homes were built out of mud and Mm -hmm. brick. And now not saying it's ugly. It's not ugly. What was cute was how amazing the people there are. We were welcomed by all of these little children coming to the bus and so excited. The happiest faces I've ever seen and just thrilled that we were coming to visit their village. I started tearing up right then. I didn't get out of the bus. I was the last person out of the bus just because we threw a ball out the window for them to play with and a balloon and some bubbles and a jump rope. And the joy that that caused, I I was, I, I couldn't do anything about it. I lost myself. It was... It was just a feeling of simple joy. Humble joy. Just yep. simple and humble joy. We got out. We um, we brought the stuff to them. We made some friends. We talked to some of the moms in the village. Um, you they, played, I don't know what those games are called. Patty cakes. They're, yeah. They're, Avocado, they're hand, spell your name. They're nah, hand nah, nah. games. You know, all little girls that go to elementary, they learn how to play hand games, which is like patty cake, right? But that's like what you play with babies. It's just hand games. So we played jump rope. Um, Jace and some of the boys, they, they all like tossed around a ball, played a little soccer. We we played some hand games. We sang some songs. And then they showed us where their well was. Well, they showed us their water cans mm-hmm. that were yellow on the outside and very fuzzy green on the inside. They were dirty. So much moss had grown inside these cans. They smelled so bad. And I said, oh, so what are we doing with these? They go, oh, we're going to go and get drinking water. And I went, no. They're like, oh, no, no, no. This is nothing compared to some. Let's go. So I grabbed their two biggest, heaviest cans. Each of the kid grabs a can. And probably 30 to 40 of the community walk with us. Oh, they were so excited to show us. To to show us where their well was. We walked and... They had all their buckets. There was other kids that were filling up their buckets of water. We get to this well. We fill up. I think 
Jace had the 10 liters. No, mine were 20, 20. liters. Okay, Jace had they the 20 so liters of water um, cans. I had 10 liter, a 10 liter one. Some of the kids had five, and then the little girls had like one or two liters of water. And we filled it up, and we got to experience what it would be like to have, be a children, uh, children or, or the women or whoever go and collect the water and walk it all the way back, sometimes balancing our heads, sometimes carrying it low. It is heavy. And they balance it on their heads. Yeah. These women, and this was the, the third community w- that we went to that we'll talk about in a second, but we were driving down the road and there's women with this massive 20 liter jug of water. It's 40 pounds just sitting on top of their head and they're walking down the street without any hands holding it. Sometimes they'd have one hand up there to, to keep it stable, but some of them were walking with that on their heads. It was amazing. So we're walking and we, well, we go up to the well, we're pumping the clean water out and they're showing us how this well has been here for four months and Family Humanitarian has the community to get a well. They have to have a committee that's formed of five members. So they go through three steps, which is awesome. So the first step is a committee. So they need to gather people in the committee that will be volunteers. Leaders of the village. Leaders of the village and to commit to the well. So that would be the next step is education. They go through an education course, which is like six weeks. They learn about clean water. They learn how to keep it clean, how to keep their jugs clean, um, what clean water can do for them, why it's good for their body, how to maintain the well. Yes, they... Um, they go through all of that. And then one of the last steps is they must own the land that the well is on, but they have to raise a hundred dollars. Uh, what's equivalent to a hundred us dollars. And, and what is surprising is not all the time. Is it the money that's hard to do? A lot of times it's maybe getting time to do education or having a committee or, you know, it's, it's very different, but these three steps, which I think is why we are so excited that we have um, partnered with Family Humanitarian because it is just how Jesus taught. Do not, you know, give them a fish, teach them how to fish, right? And I feel that educating them will help last the well, keep the life of the well to last years longer if they are maintaining it. Um, Their jugs to last longer and their health will actually improve. Well, it's giving them ownership. So it's giving them ownership of it. They have to have skin in the game. They have to invest. They have to put time. And it's the leaders of the community so everyone else respects it so that there isn't this, well, this well is closest to my lot, so it's mine now. And it's not Mm -hmm. this, right? So they've done it right. Instead of, hey, we're giving you a well, we leave. Somebody breaks the well and then they call them and say, hey, your well's broken. You need to come fix it. No, no, no. It's the community's it's well. It's your well. Yes. It's your well. You own it now. You know how to fix it. You've done the education. You know how to do upkeep. And these wells are like tanks, man. These things, they will last a very long time. But seeing the joy, we left this community and we drove to another one and we actually got to do the ribbon cutting ceremony for this well. Which was the most humbling experience for myself. And, and probably all of our family. Yeah. We were so put back. Like they were so overjoyed. They were like praising us and like jumping for joy. And they would do the like, like they would be so excited and they're jumping and clapping and so grateful. And, and they would say thank you to us because, um, you know, they they knew that we had brought this well to them. And what 
an incredible experience. Like we take for granted like water bottles that we throw on the ground or we fill up a drink of glass of water so easily in our, even in our bathroom water is drinkable, right? Like, but no, we don't want bathroom water. We want to go and get our filtered water. Like we take water for granted and these people are praising us because now they don't have to walk two, three, four miles to get water. They only have to walk, you know, a couple houses down to go and get clean water. And some of the kids, actually most of the kids in their younger years, above six, but honestly, right after that, up until about 13, their job is to fetch water. And I asked multiple children in multiple of the villages, and they have to walk the water four to eight times a day, multiple kilometers each way, so they don't go to school. Their job is to keep water in the house. And bringing water to these villages so that they're closer, it's clean, fresh water, that enables the children to be able to go to school. Like, we, I'm just so baffled how, you know, we have all of these wonderful privileges here in this country, which I am so grateful for. And we don't think about the idea of like, oh, I have to go fetch water. That means I can't go to school. Well, and they I were don't know how to read. Water. I don't know how to write because I'm fetching water. They were fetching water from dirty little rivers. Mm-hmm. And I mean, the one, the first place we went to, you're going to have to go and look at this video. Um, we did a challenge um, having our kids race with the water to see who could get there the fastest with the most water. We did that because our fan base on YouTube is a lot younger, right? There's a lot of parents that watch. Okay, let's delete all that part out. <laughs> they, I don't even know where I was. A lot of our fan base watches our YouTube channels and they are a little bit younger. So we try to make an interactive video so that people that are watching that might be as young as our own children will understand what's happening, right? So we wanted it to be a fun experience for them to realize, yeah, they had to walk and our kids are sweating and panting, trying to hold this water, trying to race it. But then we talked with our own children. Can you imagine doing this four times a day? That's all you do. And they're like, well, no, that's what we do. And our kids are like, whoa, they're like, what do you do? And I'm like, don't tell them what you do. Because if we were or our children were to tell them what they do all day long, it's very, very different. I almost thought of it as like, you don't want to... Do you remember Star Wars? They're like, you're not allowed to ruin what's going on here on this planet or on this place because it'll change the course of their this and that. It's like if if they said, well, I do my schoolwork at home, then I get out, I come up with an idea, I get out a video camera, I make a video and I put it on the internet and then I go play with my friends. <laughs> I think it would, it would, would be they eat, such they a different... They wouldn't even understand. Yeah, it's a different world that it that they wouldn't understand. And I think... On the reverse side, it was such a blessing because that's what we wanted is we wanted to see the other side of the world. We wanted to have our children see this experience of what these amazing children are doing every day as they go and they fetch water, as they you know might get the opportunity to go to school and how something as simple as clean water can change the course of their life. Well, and it's their sense of ownership in the family, right? I own this task. I go and get water. This is what I do. And I'm providing, I'm Mm -hmm. helping. And what does mom do? Mom cooks the meals. Mom does this. Mom does that. What does dad do? Dad goes out. Dad's working. Dad's 
herding the cattle. Dad's, I mean, in the different villages, that was, they all had their place and it was very interesting and it wasn't looked at as being sexist or not sexist or this. The women worked harder than the men. In a lot of, the, I mean, in the villages we were at, those women are hardworking, incredible women. I adored the hard work that they did because they owned it and it was their thing. And it was so great to watch the different dynamics in the different places because we went to Kenya, mm -hmm. totally different dynamic. Very, very different there, yep. right? The culture on in the tribes that we went and visited there. And it's so, I think there's been a lot of this talk because of Afghanistan and us trying to westernize or the US when they go in right back in Saigon and in, now in Afghanistan and other places trying to westernize the world. But really when they started looking at it, they didn't want to have that happen. And I'm not going to go deeper into this because this goes back into like, my heritage, my great, great, great times 11 direct grandmas, Pocahontas. And I got very into studying Jamestown and the colonization of the right, the East Coast of the United States. And anyways, we'll, we won't talk about that right now. But what I loved is how those kids owned their task. And they were contributing to the family. And I think it was a beautiful thing to see how these these family units you know, all working together and those family units working together with other families um, in these villages, you know, to make their communities. And what a wonderful experience it was that really affected us in a way that made us act differently at our own home. You know, like how can we each contribute a little bit more to our family unit? What can we do to make our family unit a little bit stronger? Well, and you've done something amazing with that, though. What you've done is with the chore wheel, our kids know they have to contribute and they know on Sunday night, like they come to you and they go, okay, mom, can I spin the wheel? And what spin the wheel is they have their names and then there's the chores and there's a wheel on the inside and they just turn it one notch. And then those chores for the week are with that kid. And then the next week it's the next kid and they all have different tasks and you've, you've organized it fairly, fairly. And the kids know it. And that's just what they do. They complain a little bit, but they know they have a role to play within our house and keeping our house put together. And I feel that ownership gives them a sense of pride yes. and contribution that they feel like, hey, I'm part of this family. Now, that dynamic can change. And it's been our fault because at times they hate it. They don't want to do it. They don't have any pride in it. They just think it's stupid chores. And that's because we are grinding them down just to do it and get it done, right? Get it done. You can't, no, you got to get it done. We can't do this until it's done. But if we change that and when we have at times, we go, wow, Corey, you were really good at the dishes. Thank you so much. All of a sudden she beams, she, she brightens owns up. She's that. like, yeah, yeah, I can do dishes. You, well, And then she like that. goes out of her way to get the dishes done, but then she's hoping for us to notice it. And so there's that fine line of, teaching her how to only work for carrots or having her excited and going after stuff. I think it's, it's so amazing to watch that. So we're in this village. We go with their dirty buckets and they, they get this opportunity to do chores or do those tasks that the other children do every single day. And what, Holy cow, it is hard. 
It is a hard manual labor task. They get these five liter, 10 liter, sometimes one liter for the little kids. Like there's these three year olds. 20 liter for me. There's these like five year olds carrying one liter bottles of, I mean, jugs of water and they're contributing because they want to contribute. They want that, which is incredible. So we get these liters and jugs and we're walking. We go and we fill them up and it was wonderful. Like everyone kind of gathers around the well. You know, it's like the gathering place, right? Like the water hole. And this well's been there for six months. So it's been there a bit. They know how to use it. Um, The kids love pumping the water into it. And it's so different because they showed us the dirty little gutter that they used to get their water from. And oh my goodness, that one broke my heart. And all in most of the communities, what we did is we wanted to have fun with this, like we said. And so we said, okay, kids, we're going to have a race. We're going to go to the original water source. You're going to have to pull the water out of the water source and run it without dropping it. Yep, Fill your jug and run it back to basically the hut. Right. The hut or the center of their little community of huts. Right. And it was our way of showing lightheartedly in a fun, loving way how hard this task is so that we can now on our YouTube channel to a lot of the preteens and that age group that watches our videos and the families, a way to teach them a hard truth in a fun way. And what an incredible experience. The kids had a hard time. And what was so cute and amazing to me is like, as we went down to the water source, They actually didn't want us to gather the water. They were like, we don't want you to get hurt. We don't want you to slip. We We don't don't, want you to get sick. We don't want you to get dirty. And I was like, no, we want to get dirty. We want to do what you do, you know? And they were, they were so kind and so wonderful. The moms were like, no, 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 it's slippery. Oh, no, no, no. It's like, no, no, no. We We got this. We we really actually want to do it. This isn't for a camera. We have cameras. We want to experience what you are going, what you do. Yeah. And they did. They filled it up. And if our slipped and fell in the water hole, I would have been so happy. (laughs) (laughs) They filled it up and, you know, they hustled their jug back. And I cannot tell you, it was like dozens of kids that ran with us. Dozens of kids that were running like, oh, we're running. This is a fun game. Let's do it. And they loved it. And we were carrying it back. And at the end, our kids were panting and like, oh my gosh, that was so hard. And, you know, like that is so heavy. And the other kids are just happy and like, yeah, you did it. Good job. You know, like they're so kind. But what, what would they, would our children do that? Would our children be able to do that four times a day? No. And not yet. They would rise to the occasion if it had to be done because our kids really do. And they definitely can build strength. I understand. It's, it's, it's just what a wonderful experience that they got to try this because it opened their minds to go, I get so many hours of my day that I don't do chores, that I don't have to do school, that I don't do these things where I can hang out with friends or I can do, say, free time or whatever they want to do by themselves. And these children, instead of having that free time, they are hauling water. And this is why I am so passionate about this. I do fully believe that children should have a chance to play and run and learn and grow. And and they do. I'm sure they have that time. But those hours of hauling water back and forth do dip into free time, dip into their education, dip into, you know, so many things in their life that they might have the opportunity to do. And then on the other side of that, sometimes these wells are so far away, it can be dangerous. 
what if they have to haul water at night? You know, like you have to go well, get the water lions, for dinner. There's leopards. There's all sorts yes. of stuff that can go after them. But I think one of the main, I love going all the way back. So you look at something, I like to go, okay, well, what would that do before that? What would that do before that? What would that do before that? And go kind of to the core, right? And so the core of this is there's poverty in these communities. Why can't they get out of this? Well, there's education. Okay. So what's the deal with education? How can we help educate? Well, we can build a school and that's amazing. They build a school. Why aren't the kids attending? Well, because they're hauling water. Oh, Yes, water. Okay, is so what if we put line. a well 200 feet from most of this community instead of two to five kilometers away? Kids can run water, and so they have like a recess. They'll go to school, and then they can leave, and they go and haul water, and then they can come back to school, and they start scheduling it, and it's this really amazing thing. It's a short period of time versus hours in their day. And so all of a sudden, something that people wouldn't think, which is a well versus a river or a stream or a gutter or whatever their water source is currently, all of a sudden a well raises the whole community out of poverty, but a well does nothing with money. And yet it changes poverty. Why? Education. Education. And so now they can become educated. They have time to do that so that they can leave the village if they need to and go and get a job. And then they can start sending money back. And then the LDS church, one of the things that happens is these missionaries, um, a lot of missionaries or young men and women from Africa in the LDS church, the Church of Jesus Christ, when they go on a mission, they have a bank account. And a lot of other people from other parts of the world fund put money into the missionary fund and these missionaries get that so they can serve a mission. They don't have to pay for it because other people are donating. But one thing that's happening a lot in Africa is the missionaries actually take the leftover money in their account. They'll try only eat rice and they'll eat less and less things and so that they can send money back to their moms and their dads in their village. And I, I'm conflicted in both of that, but more so I'm really impressed that they still have that ownership. We want to contribute to our they family. They have a job to do we for their family. We want to provide. And what a simple thing like water can do is provide opportunity for education. And even if they are have gotten education and now they're at to the age where they can learn a trade. Instead of hauling water, girls can maybe learn to make jewelry or fabrics or clothing, whatever they want to do, and then they can sell it. You know, they can create a business. Um, boys and okay, wait, young wait, wait. men. Oh. That was my favorite thing. Okay. That was my favorite thing. <laughs> what did we see on the side of the roads everywhere we drove? The food stands. Little teeny wooden shops that everyone made yes. out of their own. Like they milled their own wood out of trees. And these women had little craft shops. Mm -hmm. And they had little everywhere we went. It was beautiful. And they are being self-sufficient as much as they can, as much as they know how, and they are providing for their families to the best of their ability. And that's what the water, the clean water can do is gives them opportunity to go and earn money, go and learn a trade, go and get education to get and better opportunity to make money for their families. Really, that simple thing of water is raising them out of poverty. It was so cool to see. And so what we did with our kids was we left this first community. We went to a second community and then we did the same thing, but totally different scenario. We left that community, went to another community, completely different. This one was up in the hills and completely different. 
totally different scenario. I mean, we had over a hundred, it could have been 200 people showed up to this one mm. and our kids are running and there's so they many kids running with them. It. Oh, I, it was incredible. They, I was crying how I'm joyful crying they I'm were. Running. They like, were, they I, were, they were just so excited. They're like, Oh, you want to haul the water? They actually were like, no, let me do it for you. And we we're like, no, we want to do it. And they were like, okay, so we'll walk with you. The entire village came to walk with us as we walked the path that they go to go and gather water from the old source and the new source and bring it back to where they actually need the water um, into the village. And they would walk with us. They ran with us. They were cheering us on. It like, was a, you guys have to go and watch this video on our YouTube channel. Such a beautiful oh people. Oh my goodness. Such a community of people. I feel like so including and they want you to, you know, like they want you to love the community as much as they love their community and their village and they take pride and ownership in their, you know, little community. It was, it was so beautiful. What? And honestly, like I cannot stress how incredible this experience was, but how important such a simple thing like water was when we were visiting all of these communities and visiting these beautiful villages we kept, well, like, what if we, next time we come, we bring back a ton of clothes. We can bring more clothes to the community. What if we bring back, you know, like school supplies or what if we, you know, like all, like Jace is coming up with all of these ideas. Like, what if we bring them sunglasses? What if we bring them hats? Like, what if we. Well, because they have this crazy eye disease because of sun damage because nobody wears hats or glasses. But it all comes down to, we, there's so much that we all can do. But if we can start with water and bring clean water to these villages that opens up a world of opportunity more than just a you know well, pair of sunglasses them, them or a, a, t a clean t-shirt can do for them it gives them time and that's what everybody wants more of in their life is oh i need more time to get my job done i need more time to see with my friends or visit family or you know like go on this vacation i want more time and well, that's what water does is it gives them time yep well and i think even deeper than that 25% of the deaths in this part of Africa are waterborne illnesses. Mm -hmm. Average life expectancy for a male is 45 years old. Your average life expectancy for a female is 50 years old. And clean so water it would changes actually, all of it that. It gives them years added on to their lives. I'm 41 years old. That's like 95 in these communities, right? Like I'm an old soul. Jesus I mean, I am an old soul. Pass but on soon. But then now I would like you to say what your what happened when we left those communities and we went to the one that had the second most recent well dug where they were fermenting in the roads. How what was that like for you? So we we pulled up to a. And did you notice when we pulled up why we stopped where we stopped? Because it was far away. No, we pulled up in this community get in farther. Because they pulled a car in sideways that was broken down and left it in the road so you can't drive in there because they use their old road mm -hmm. to ferment alcohol now so that they can sell it in the swap meet in the downtown. So they, this was a much, much more poor village. It was much closer to a slum than a village. It was, it was a lot, a lot of people actually. So like in the other villages, it was probably three times as many of the people but in a smaller space, right? 800 Super families, condensed 800 in this families area. on top of each other. And, you know, like the huts right next to each other, kind of leaning up against each other, all of these kind of makeshift homes. And as we got out and we walked through, um, 
to go to the clean source of water that was put in. Along the way, we're seeing these big holes in the dirt and not just holes like they honestly like bathtub size of and then this liquid being fermented. It smelled so bad. Some of our kids couldn't get out of the bus because they, they were, were dry heaving. heaving. They were dry heaving. So and bad. so some of them stayed in the bus with our driver. But um, we didn't want to offend them. Like, no, I can come out. I'm like, no, no, no. We really don't want to offend them. We don't want them to see that their what their normal is has this reaction on you. That would be the worst thing we could. No, there's a lot worse. But it was it was just bad. So we let them stay in the bus and but hang out. A, a majority of us got out and we wanted to go see the water source. And again, they were so grateful. Um, and we didn't even contribute to this this well, but they were just so grateful because they know that people like us are providing more and more wells. And we went out and they were so happy and they were so proud of this well. And it was incredible but to you see couldn't that pride. Walk. But I couldn't walk. And honestly, I have I have like a breathing problem. <laughs> um, personally, I have like some weird thing that I do with my nose. And anyways, I, I don't breathe very well all the time. But so I had to cover my nose with my hair. It, the stench was so strong that I honestly, I was getting headaches. You did it very well. And I was People trying to be composed. People thought you were just like organizing your hair. I was like holding hair. my hair and like petting my own hair. It was just a weird hair. tick that you had. It was have. weird. And I, and I, but I didn't want to offend. I was smiling at the people. I wanted them to know how grateful we were for them to let us into their village. And they were so happy and so joyous. But as I walked past one of these little pits that had the alcohol in, there's this little girl who was three maybe and she had her hand was all soaking and she was basically putting honestly it's like sludge it wasn't like liquid liquid it was like sludge i think if you took hand sanitizer the gel hand sanitizer that's a good example that's what this is but it was created from fermented papaya banana mango and And who knows what other kind of liquids in there and it was on her hair. So she was putting it. All of them have very, very short hair. They shave their heads really short to kind of um, prevent scabies or lice or anything like that. And so she had put it on her hair, basically like a cap. So it looks like she had soaked her hair in this stuff, um, her head. And I didn't realize it until we had passed that that's what it was because she wasn't like playing in the sludge or anything. She just had had it on her. And I thought, oh my gosh, She's putting this chemicals, you know, like fermented stuff that has now turned to a chemical form onto her head. And I don't even know if that's going to affect her, if that's going to give her some damage in her, you know, brain or whatever. I just, I was like heartbroken. I was so so heartbroken. We're walking around and there's all these pits everywhere and barrels everywhere. If you want to see this, it, it will be in my Instagram stories in the highlight reel of Africa. It's probably 15 to 20 stories in on my highlight reel. You'll, you'll, you'll be able to tell. Um, and it was so interesting talking to, we had to have three different men with us most of the time, just in case. And so we asked them a lot of questions. Lots of things. They were wonderful, wonderful guys. They are actually the director and some of the, the two other employees for this humanitarian company there. And what they do is their whole job is these communities will submit to have a well. They'll say, we need a well. We have 800 families and our well is ruined because this community there, because they're fermenting so many things in the ground, it had ruined their groundwater. It's seeping into the groundwater, which is, is just seeping more chemicals and more of those waterborne illnesses into the fresh water, which is horrible. I, you know, like this, this village, 
one well will normally bring um, fresh water to two, around 2,000 people. And this village had 800 families. 800 families. Thousands Average and thousands. Average family is uh, six to 10 kids. Just so many people they need, like they desperately need, probably even two Well, that's more what they wells. did. They pulled the, the chief of the village, pulled me aside and he said, is there any way you can get us another well? And so this is Family Humanitarian's done this very well. Again, I'm going to pause right there. Familyhumanitarian.org. They have set up this incredibly. Sorry, go ahead, honey. Yeah. And it's, they have to have a committee. They have to raise the equivalent of a hundred US dollars. So they have skin in the game. They have to do training on how to maintain the wells. They have to do all these things so that it's not, Hey, we come in, we give you a bunch of stuff. We feel good about ourselves, but then they take the stuff and go and sell it in a swap meet. But, or they do this or they do that. And then it, it creates dependence. So, but on the plus side, when they do that, when they create this committee, when they create that ownership, they are committed to bringing clean water to their village, to benefiting their village, to making it a better community inside that village. And you know what's incredible is when we went to these places, the committee like head or someone on the committee would be there to welcome us. And they are proud. And they are we say proud of their well. Still, they it's like typically a few people. no shoes on, no shirt on. Very humble. Sometimes humble a shirt on, but they're just, they're the leaders of these villages. And oh they, my goodness, the tears. They are so proud because they have been educated. They know what clean water can do. They have helped their village get this clean water. And they have also fundraised to um, be able to participate, to have that ability to have the well be built. And they will tell you. They will tell you all about it. They will tell you what the water does for the families. They will tell you how how wonderful it is. And they will show you the happy faces. And the women and the men will shout and yell and with, with exclamation, like so excitement, so much excitement because of this. They are so proud. And talking to them was incredible. Yeah, These I village heads or committee heads every second of it. would tell you all about it and like, oh yes, this family over here, well, it's they a now of pride can come. For their village now. Yes, and we and, have fresh water in our village, and that is something like how we talked about a little bit ago, how our kids have chores and they feel like they can contribute and the water for these children, they are contributing to the families. Well, these gentlemen are contributing to their committees and they feel so proud and they should be because they are doing amazing things for their, their communities. And it was, it was so touching. Like every time we went to some of these villages, I'm fighting back tears. Half the time I'm just bawling my eyes out underneath my sunglasses because what ownership is there and I want to help them so much so that they can have more of that knowledge, more of those opportunities that we have freely here. And not help by just giving. Giving, if the least you can do is give, then that's wonderful. But if you can educate, yeah. that's incredible, right? Give yes. somebody a fish. Yes. They're like, hey, thank you so much. Teach them to fish, right? Teach them to maintain it. Teach them how to create this committee and do all these things then all of a sudden they go oh wait a second we can apply this in other areas yes and i still i'm gonna stress i don't want to force western culture on all of the world i truly don't and the education is why we actually have teamed up with family humanitarian we've been approached by many um 
many, many, uh, many charities and we love to donate and we we do donate to a lot of different charities that we feel that we can connect with. But Family Humanitarian, just the way they've set it up with that whole three step system of, you know, education, um, owning the land and raising the money so that they gain that ownership, that kind of skin in the game where they can feel proud and contribute to their community because it wasn't given to them. They earned it. No, they did. They earned it and they help maintain it. They they take care of it. And so basically they are, they're teaching them to fish, helping them educate each other and not just the one person, they educate each other in this village and then they move on. And that's why I feel so passionate about family humanitarian. They're such a great company and we're so excited. I would call them an organization. Sorry, a great organization. (laughs) Thank you. But we want, anyways, I I just really want to help a hundred thousand people get these clean water because honestly, that one village that had 800 families, that's like a third of that 100,000 people. Yeah. Like, you know, like there's like 20,000 people there. It's yeah. so many incredible ways to help. And it all can start with clean water. So if you want to help, we're going to try to earn this or not earn, but I guess raise this $100,000 by the end of this year. And again, every single penny. We, it doesn't come to us at all. We are doing this all for free. We're not getting paid to say this. There is no There's sponsorship no, no here. Kickback, we like want to help these people. And we know that you want to help them too. And so go to our fundraiser. It'll be the link in all of our Instagram's bios probably until the end of the year. If you can't find it, go to theohanaventure.com. There is a little tab right there on the main page. Says, walk, walk for, for water. water. It's amazing. We are so passionate. I bet you can feel it from us as we're talking about this. Thanks so much for hanging out with us today on the Ohana Adventure Podcast. Guess what? We have another fun podcast about crazy things in Africa. So keep listening. That's going to be coming out soon. We'll see you guys. Bye.